Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome in to the 62nd episode of 11 Personnel, where we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight, Adam Luckett. Um, instead of talking football, we're spending the next hour uh, discussing and dissecting the first presidential debate. Um, Adam Luckett, do you think uh, Joe Biden will be our next president or Donald Trump? Who won the debate? You're really trying to get me out of my comfort zone here, aren't you, Mr. Strauss? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we are actually recording during the debate, so yeah, classic we're going to gotcha. Yeah, man. We're going to be Twitter uh, Twitter debating. We'll be it, running through Twitter. It's, it's, a, it's good for us, too, because now we don't have to be on Twitter during it. Because, it, like, man, it like watching the Kansas City Chiefs play football, great time to be on Twitter. Just like, Patrick Mahomes, how does he do that? Uh, presidential debate, horrific time to be on Twitter, Facebook, social media in general. So we're doing the right thing. We're actually going to completely ignore presidential politics because the Kentucky Wildcats played a football game last Saturday. Uh, and if I didn't introduce myself, I'm Nick Roush. I think you've got the gist of that so far. <laughs> but uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. And like it, we laid out three scenarios that you thought might happen. I don't know if it was on this or if it was on my morning radio show, Kentucky Roll Call, but it was either Kentucky kind of runs away with it, Kentucky wins, or, or, or Auburn wins small. Like, you know, it'd be close games. And I think that we could kind of count this under the Auburn barely winning in the sense that, like, the game was close, but it was a two-score decision just because of – a bunch of just really bad mistakes from Kentucky in week one. And that was exactly what you said is Auburn's done this week one, big game before Kentucky has it. If you go back the last three years, Auburn season opener, they played in Atlanta, played Washington. They Last year they went to Dallas, played Oregon. And this year at Kentucky, all three top 25 teams, all three programs, Washington, Oregon, Kentucky, he entered this year thinking, all right, we're going to have a pretty good team this year. Here's a chance for a marquee win. Despite getting outgained, I believe, in all three of those games, Auburn found some funky way to win the football game. This is just, it's just what they do. And that's why in my prediction, I predicted Auburn to win the game. It's just because they find ways to win them. Last year, Oregon's going in to score, I believe, to make it like a two-possession uh, lead, a demanding two-possession lead. Um, the, the whole game's going their way. They somehow fumble inside the five. Big Cat Bryant rumbles 95 yards, set up an Auburn score, and then the game is just different from the, here on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this this weird year, Terry Wilson throws an interception in the end zone. It, it change, totally changes the game. After Washington Rodriguez had a bunch, gets yeah. in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> Washington marched up and down the field a lot of the game against Auburn two years ago. They had a bunch of red zone issues. This week, Kentucky. He has three red zone possessions, only comes away with one score. So, so it was just kind of – it kind of was what it was. It was exactly Auburn find, just finds a way. And I think 
Malzahn is at his best, does his best coaching job in games like that, just when it's just a big storm and you just got to make stuff happen. Um, they find a way to make unique plays. Like, I think that two-point conversion, I don't think really people are talking about it a lot. I, to me, game, that man. felt like a – that, that felt like a huge play because it's 8-7. It just looks weird. Kentucky, you feel like you're playing from behind. You feel like you have to chase points the entire time because you even know even when you score a touchdown, you're going to have to – like at some point you're going to have to go for two. It just – I just think it was just a weird game and it played out that way when and how the, some of the breaks happened. And you got to give Auburn credit. They In key spots, they made the key plays. Yeah, and I think a lot of it can be attributed to Gus Malzahn's magnificent attire. The salute to Pete Dye was gorgeous. The the big kind of bucket hat with the A on it. And I really I'm yeah. yeah. Pete Dye, I always get those mixed up. The Pete Dye is the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Dye yeah. was the Auburn head coach and athletic director. But the the short white the short sleeve dress shirt with the tie is just a beautiful look. And it's if I go to a wedding in my wife's hometown, it's what all of the uncles wear. The uncles are mm-hmm. big on the short sleeve with the tie. Because you know what? It's hot. Nobody wants to sweat like that. It's a fantastic look. I think it really set the tone for Auburn. Um, but, man, the game – in addition to Kentucky making bad plays, in in the in the moments where Auburn needed to make big plays, they had a guy to go to, and Seth Williams was just, dude, he he was just on another level. I mean, like uh, that's a, f- I mean, even Kelvin Joseph even played him well for most of the time, but like his two touchdowns were, I mean, you can't really play defense much better than what what they did in both instances where you Bo Nix drops one in the bucket in between two. I mean, like, there's two guys right there, and he throws it 10 and a half feet in the air. Williams goes up and makes a catch. The other one, Joseph's right there. He kind of gets one hand on the body and one hand back catch. I mean, they were just – they were ridiculous plays like it, and it's hard It's hard to beat guys who are just that great at football. You look at third down in general, I'm glad you brought that up. There were 29 third downs in the game. Kentucky won 16 of them. Whether on offense they converted 12 of 19, and on defense Auburn was four – or an, an offense, Auburn was 4 10. I like the way you're looking at that, though. Like it, where you, it's just who third down overall. That's is that a, like an analytics that no, maybe I need maybe need that can that can be the lucky Ooh, rate and of luckets. I like it. Well, I like it. So, majority of the day, Kentucky won the down, which was yeah. I thought was the key down, especially on offense. And I thought it was going to have to be Terry making the plays. But when you look at there were three plays specifically, though, on third down. Are really four, four specific mm-hmm. plays, two on each side of the ball. The two Seth Williams touchdowns on third yep. down. Auburn makes the play. The third, third and goal, Terry Wilson's interception. Mm-hmm. And then the third down fumble. So Ooh, Kentucky would, 16 to 29. A fifth right. when Isaiah Epps, who, hey, he's still playing football. Who knew? Uh, got hit in the numbers on like third and 25. Terry just put it on him. And that keeps the drive alive. We're not talking about Keenan Upshaw's hold, but he dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so yeah. So those four, but those plays in general, like Kentucky won that that faction of the game. I think we're throwing out a little too much of the total yardage stats, and Kentucky won this. Kentucky outgained them. I, that that's true, but there's also you have to remember Kentucky won the field position battle. 
Kentucky won the toss, which means they got an extra possession each half. Because remember, Auburn had to knee it out both times yeah. at the end of right. the half. Mm-hmm. So those are a little – I think those are getting talked about a little too much. It was really the field position. They won the field position because of the two short fields there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and, a, and, and to go back to it too, Kentucky had more yards to gain because Bo Nix was doing those little punts. And, like, I even asked Josh Ali today. He was yep. like, yeah, we had no idea they were going to do that. <laughs> and it kind of – Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very nice weapon. What can well, Bo Nix not do? And the thing that's, that's annoying, too, is going into this, like, if you would have told me that Terry Wilson completed more passes for more yards, or not completed more passes, but had a higher completion percentage and had more, not only passing yards, but rushing yards, I've been like, well, Kentucky probably won that. They didn't. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was a lot mm-hmm. of kind of conventional ways of thinking about this game, like football that, like you said, if you, you just kind of look at the basic box score, it's like, man, Kentucky should have won this game, um, but yeah. The, well, it's hard know. to score. It's hard to win when you have two red zone turnovers. And four line. kind of overall, if you count the uh, the the fake punt that right, happen. right. Which special teams like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to win like that. Are are you so the special team snafus we had? We had the swinging gate, which I mean, I I seriously, yeah. I think the last time I saw that work, it was Trinity High School, like when my cousin was playing quarterback. Trinity used to run it. Yeah. I remember <laughs> we used to rep it in practice nonstop because we were like, we're not giving up a free point. Every day so we would rep that in practice. Like that was like a we, – we're not giving up that. But, yeah, that that's the only thing. Like we called it something different. We didn't call it the swinging gate. We called it like something like a turkey or something. Baby bullshit. I <laughs> no. I can't remember what we called it. But, yeah. Yeah, you don't see that very – Oregon used to uh, – with Chip Kelly, they used to do that, or they would just straight up go for two a lot to try mm-hmm. to get up, get – like to steal a point early, especially in the game. Because I guess in their games they were thinking, you know, we're going to score a lot, so we might as well try to – you know, if we can design one up, we can steal a point maybe. But, yeah, I felt like – to me that just – I don't know. It just felt weird, like looking at the scoreboard all day. It felt like you were behind, even though the game was really tied for mm-hmm. you know pretty much the first forty-eight minutes of the game. So you had that play, you had the Bo Nick stuff, you had the bad fake punt. Are you worried about like is this a let, let's take it back to twenty sixteen and what the hell, Stoops? Why didn't you just hire a special teams coordinator? Like, are, are you worried at all, or was this Auburn just like? being funky i have to see the kicker before i before that happens we didn't even get to see a field goal yeah yeah true that's, that's the true. bit i mean we can talk about that's the biggest i think part of special teams if you can hit field goals yeah yeah no you're, you're exactly right so okay I, I, the, no, and, and now and i still I think, have issues with punt fielding uh, like ali at times does not come up and catch the ball when he should fair catch it but if y'all could know. see I the mean, kind of text you're not gonna thread. see a swinging you're yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna see us <laughs> you're not gonna see what? a swinging gate every week the one that, that that one probably was one of the funnier ones that you said during the game is like can he just catch the damn ball <laughs> like I, I, I love that text and well it's, right. in a field position game that is huge those 10 yards are huge yeah. especially in a where the game's going back and forth like it was there because was it one- felt like I, going into the fourth quarter it felt like all right, there's going to be a turnover or special teams play. Some team's going to get the short field. Whoever gets it's going to win the game. And Auburn was the one who got it. 
yep. he's got heaven to get two of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the, one of the more frustrating plays for me, I don't want to say frustrating, but I was like immediately texting you because like, not to like sound like I'm like this smart football guy and we were like nerds who can only speak that language, but like I knew you would have seen it right away. It was on that first possession. And oh, see, and damn it, like it, this was the this is what I was the homework I was going to do uh, beforehand. But on that first possession, that was really the only time Auburn ran the ball well. Um, and they mm-hmm. let's see here, we get a rush for twelve yards. Uh, one, no, that was a three and out. Uh, I'm getting it wrong. But Josh Pascal just made a, an incredible play and was immediately in the backfield and. It, so it was actually their second possession and it was Shivers who went around the outside and it was like this split second kind of, he did everything right. But when it was time to make the tackle, it was just like the, a half second too late. That happened a couple of times. There was one pass play in particular that I hit you, that I text you on. So they had seven, 11, uh, and seven. And basically they had, about a quarter of their rushing yards on that second possession. And one of them was that play, and another one was a cat bucket. They ran a, a counter and a trap, so they pulled guard and tackle. Square, I mean, he fills the hole where yeah. that, that's left by the linebacker, misses the tackle. Boogie takes – I mean, he comes – He he's playing seven yards off the ball. He puts his shoulder down and hits the tackle right on, but when the guy goes to bounce it outside – he can't shed the blocker. He gets off balance, which is another, like, he just doesn't have a feel for the game. And then Ty Agent reads it and comes up to make the play from strong safety and then dives at his feet because he hasn't been open field tackling people. That I mean, like, it was just three plays that, like, okay. Like, they're at least in position. They know what they're supposed to be doing. This is the right call. And they're just not making the play. And I at least, like, like once I saw that, like, the second time around, it's like, you know what? I think I'm. I think this defense is going to be all right, uh, but then it goes back to back to the turnover thing. They're going to have to find ways to do more than just let's keep people in front of you. You got to make some sacks and you got to create some turnovers. And Kentucky got back there. Uh, I, I thought Pascal, like I said, he was beast. He, he hell, he had one time where he slipped, fell down. But like I thought that the pass rush actually got going pretty decently when Auburn wasn't just getting it out of Bo Nix's hands in two or three seconds. But that, that was the hard part is because you just didn't have that many opportunities where he's just sitting back there. He, they were getting it out quick. And you couldn't like like it was a gamble on whether you should blitz or not. Like, you know, like is this actually gonna be a spot where the the blitz would even pay off? But I, I thought the pass rush got there better, but they're gonna have the, the secondary's gonna have to make more plays on the ball. Uh, this year they just yeah I'm glad you brought up that habit great because that was one of the key I think matchups in the game where you saw Kentucky's defense really you know didn't really do much they only had one pass breakup all game occurred on the first possession they were never in even in position to even pull up an interception and then they only had four tackles for loss they really never got a pass rush going the one sack they did get was really Nick's kind of scrambling and it was just Damon Davis coming up and it was a cover sack Right. So then you look on the other side, Kentucky's offensive line, obviously they ran it every play last year, but they were one of the best in preventing, um, you know, bad plays. You look at Auburn, they had six non-sack tackles for loss. That's not good. 
and that's played a big part in why Kentucky's was only averaging four and change on on the ground. They could not they they were giving up way too much leakage and had way too many run stuffs and stops or, in, or losses behind the line of scrimmage, and they really put them their offense behind the chains. Look at Kentucky's pass protection. I think it was pretty good. I think you could yeah. – uh, the last sack you could put – I think you for sure put on Terry Wilson for that delayed blitz, and they only had one more. But yeah, they just the, gave up the other way one was too much Dotson up front, I thought. First-time playmaker. You know, like it's his first time yeah. in the game. He And we, we kind of laughed at how he's never pass blocked. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and he, even Eddie Grant said as much today where, like, the pass protection was almost flawless. Uh, he didn't use those words. I did. But I uh, gave their run – grade kind of a B because after those first two or three drives or whatever it was, I mean, they opened up some damn holes. That block by Drake yeah. Jackson on Smoke's touchdown was impressive, but they were Kentucky wasn't good on first down. They they I mean you ran the ball 40 times. And I know some of those are Terry Wilson scrambles. And you only average 3.6 yards a carry like it's got to be better than that. It just has to. And I think it really hurt him in that th- third quarter. Some of it was you had one of those punts down at the one and you're just trying to get out of the end zone. It was like a wasted possession. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you got to get the – Kentucky's run game establishes the pass, kind of like how their short pass game really established uh, or really set up some, some well-placed shots, I thought, uh, at times down the field from Terry Wilson. Yeah, I mean, the one to Ali where they run that post wheel, if he hits him, it's probably a touchdown. Yeah, if he's one more yard inside instead of – Yeah, well, even that, I mean, Ali had to stop. If he throws it, you know, another seven, eight yards – seven yards in front of him, uh, he's running into the end zone. Right. And then uh, the one on the second drive where Wilson kind of climbs up in the pocket, uh, makes a throw to – Ali kind of on an over route or whatever, and he just, I mean, barely overthrows him. Ali probably should have made that catch, but if you you stick that one on him, that's another one that might have been a touchdown. So yeah, I, I, they're just I put off that on one a couple plays little, right there. I, I put that one a little bit more on the receiver. He man, he had another the one on it was the kind of corner route, the flag or whatever. Yeah, you call he had it. a drop in there somewhere. Ali did. I can't remember yeah, where. It was. Yeah, there was that kind of over the top route that he dropped. But man, the one that was near the sideline, that like his right foot was down basically yeah. until he caught it, and it was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a good effort, close. right? Yeah, um, but I think you see, no surprise, Ali's going to be the target monster for this offense. Um, he had thir- of the thirty six targets I'm looking at right here. He had thirteen of them. Um, so, and that sounds like a ratio that's going to be true most of the year. You're looking at like a third, I think, of the passing offense is probably going to be trying to get the ball to number six. Um, what you didn't see, and I didn't really see it today. I mean, Grant said what they had seven targets to the tight end. See, and I think that's more of play calling targets because I only saw two. Yeah, by my count, they had three. Rick had a catch where I think it was just kind of a scramble and Terry threw it to him. Um, they, they went to rig down in the red zone, I believe, on a wheel. And then they threw to Upshaw their last possession that drew a, a PI. So I didn't I didn't see that. I guess it's just they had, you know, some type of, you know, probably that RPO pop pass or something like that called for them. And it, the defense took it away. So they ended up doing something else. But offensively, I think you look at the game. I mean, Terry Wilson threw the ball 37 times. Um, he ran it another 13 times. Yeah, a lot. And probably 
eight of those are scrambles. So those are typical dropbacks. So you're looking at like 45 times he went back to pass. Like Kentucky's not winning very many games like that. No, no, not at all. And to your point, you mentioned the RPO pop pass. When I watched Tennessee, South Carolina, I saw that a few times Saturday night. And I was just like, hey, we didn't see that play today. And I, I think Grand came in equipped to answer questions about the tight ends. I was more surprised at just the prevalence of them on the field because a lot of times when you saw them split out, like like you're like, oh, Kentucky's got four wide receivers on the field. No, no, those are two wide receivers and two tight ends. Uh, they did a lot of 12 personnel. We saw Brandon Bates, which that's a first. Um, Upshaw was split out some. I think the thing that I was most like, angry about just in general is that in one case upshaw had that big holding penalty and he was the one pass protecting while rig was going out running routes i know you can't have it to where uh, oh every time like we're going to try to throw it to upshaw rig is going to say in pass protect or you can't have a tell like that but there were some situations where it's like guys why, why do we have rig running the wheel route and not upshaw you know like it it uh he is the better receiving target no offense to rig but that's just i mean he's a bigger guy he's a little bit faster throw it up to him so i i think I, what i worry about look is i worry that the prevalence of tight ends split out is more of an indictment on the receivers than it is on how good these tight ends can be well i think upshaw has shown that he needs to be a factor in the passing game at some point. And for him to only have really one target, none in the scorebook, I think that that's acceptable. I think you got to find a way to get the ball or at least try getting the rock. Um, you, Brendan Bates played well. Like when I watched the tape, as a blocker, he was really popular. And I think that was good to see. Um, low key, they lost through Schlegel. Um, who was kind of their short yardage blocker they would bring in with some jumbo packages. So Bates is going to play an important role, I think, in short yardage offense. If they get Joey Gatewood cleared and that Wildcat package uh, leading the way and in the goal line offense. But Upshaw, one of the reasons I think he can be a threat is what he brings in the red zone. And then you look back to practice in the reports we got from the scrimmages was – Eddie Graham multiple times saying red zone was an issue for them. And that they were even going to have a red zone period last week during practice to try to get issues fixed up. And I think it's clear that they didn't, that that was a big issue for them because Mm -hmm. they went, you know, obviously they went one of three, they had a fumble and an interception. And then a key series, obviously Chris Rodriguez scores, gets called over. But my biggest issue was I think Graham overall had a good plan I think they just had a couple of, like, boneheaded moments. Like, it's second and goal at the one. Yeah. You have one timeout in your pocket. On second down, you still have – the defense still has to play both. They got to play run and pass. And against Kentucky, they're going to sell out against the run. So, that is the advantageous situation for you to run a play action, a scramble, a boot, whatever you want to run. So instead of doing that, they get under center for the first time of the day, which still would have been an awesome time to run kind of a play action. 
Cause yeah, run the little boot, get man. under center. Because they're probably thinking you're going QB sneak. But they don't. They run QB sneak. And Terry, no offense to them, it's just – it's not – like Terry, he doesn't – like he doesn't run with like that forward lane, that get it and go. You have to do it on sneak. Yeah. He doesn't have like, his – it's pad levels. Like he just yeah, kind of like stood yeah. up. Stood up, weird. yeah. It was just – it's just not him. That's just not what he does well. So they run QB sneak and they have to take a timeout. They – they, they kind of put themselves in a really bad spot there, I thought. I mm-hmm. thought that oh, they, they ran the wrong play. They ran really run them opposite. They needed to run the pass right. on second down. And then you have their timeout so you can run it on third down in your back pocket. So, I think that they really messed up there. I think the Terry, the Terry situation on third and five, they're at their own 32. A punt is still a win there. Like there's 13 minutes left in the ball game. Yeah, you've got an all-American punter. He boomed the 75 yard. You don't know what happened. Like he could get out there and boom one, and that is the time where you would have faked it. Yeah, right there. Two game. It's fourth and manageable. If you run it there, maybe you get a fourth and two, and then you could maybe really catch him by surprise if you wanted to run up, or well, just let him do what he does best and pin him inside the 20. So I I think that call and then Terry obviously didn't follow his blocks. Yeah. Um, try to be a you know make a hero play and loses the football. You can't do like Terry. He made like those were really bad. like you cannot you cannot turn those ball that that ball over each spot right there. I mean, it kind of took you. Both of them kind of lost the game for different ways. So you've got to be better at, as a senior back. But I also think the coaching staff is in some better positions. I think they asked too much of Terry in his first game back in over a year in a big spot for the team in the program. Well, and, and especially if you're going to, I mean, Jordan Rogers was saying on the broadcast, Hey, outside zone should be there. And why like Terry Wilson, not a bad runner, but AJ Rose, he, he looked pretty good. I mean, like all the running backs looked really good in different uh, spots. Uh, and I think, well, not just the asking him to do too much kind of thing, but like the play they called, they ran earlier and Chris Rodriguez should have gotten the ball. It was the, it looked like a, uh, the, the kind of mesh read, but instead of meshing, Terry acted like he was going to throw the ball and, but nobody bit on the fake. It was just classic quarterback draw. They did the same thing here. Like, no, 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 no do the mesh thing to where you can read something because earlier it happened where I thought Rodriguez was seven yards down the field running. No, Terry had the ball and got tackled a yard <laughs> ahead. Mm-hmm. It's like, these guys are good. Let's get him the ball. And the coach has been very defensive about asking about running backs and roles and all this kind of stuff. I think it's more of a, like, these guys are so good. You got to, like, how do you get them the ball more? Because AJ caught the ball. Wow. Great. He, and then on a third and short, he did something like we've never seen him do. He lowered his shoulder and pushed KJ Britt backwards and got the first down. Yeah, he saw Rodriguez yeah. good in short yardage, and then Smoke he has the huge explosive play. So like, I'm I just want to know like how do you fit like how do you fit Smoke in when Rose is playing this well? Like it's 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 a really tough call, and I think the answer is you wanted to get Terry going, just get those guys maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but. No, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think, well, you saw some play-action stuff they really haven't done before that I think is going to be a big part of the offense this year. But, like, people forget, like, Kavasite spoke like this last year and then hit a wall for seven games. 
Mm-hmm. So, and I think people just, you know, you had Benny Snell for years, you know, you know, 260, 280 carry tailback throughout the season, the workhorse for the offense. And in a way, Grand's offense has, you know, road star players when you look at Benny and then you look at Limbo and obviously last year. This year it's going to be have to be more of a committee approach. And committee approach, I think, for this offense is those backs are just going to rotate. And, like, that's what modern football is now. You don't have a one-star back. Mm-hmm. Um, you keep those guys fresh. You keep them rolling in and out. And then at some point, Juton McClain's going to get in there and get some reps. I have no issues with the running back rotation. Like, those Cavassier smokes runs, like, people are trying to talk smoke. Like, Rodriguez or Rose hit that run, that touchdown run. I think it's a touchdown. Like, that was just blocked perfectly. <laughs> smoke didn't get t- – I mean, he didn't get touched. He just had to run. I mean, run the run the track, and it was boom. It was there. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Now he had you now creating some big runs was a problem. Like AJ Rose's biggest run of the day was eight yards. Chris Rodriguez's was like five. Like you got to do better than that. But I think the I don't, I don't have a big deal with them being on the road running back right the rotation. I think we need to realize that this is going to be a committee offense this year. There's not going to be a star like I don't think a running back is going to run for obviously 10 games but if it was a 12 game season I wouldn't think any of them would run hit a thousand I would think it's just going to be as a collection they're all, they're going to have a good year as a threesome no oh, good year um the blimp was over my house not too long ago that was kind of cool you know it's a good year blimp it's like a Leo is there just one good year blimp how many good year blimps are there because I mean, they say the good year blimp Right. How I, many places I, can the Goodyear blimp be? That's the thing. I would think there would only be one because having multiple sounds like kind of a waste of money. Like maybe like the Wiener Mobile. How many Wiener Mobiles are there? Okay, I could see there being a lot of those, but like, I mean, I feel like the Goodyear blimp isn't meant to go very far quickly. So maybe there's there's like one on the West Coast you know, somewhere in central California where they can kind of go to a lot of different places. And then maybe they keep one in Chicago to hit the kind of this seaboard, if you will. But like, I can't imagine it being very cost effective to have multiple, multiple Goodyear blimps just lying around. Cause like, what are you, what are you doing with the Goodyear blimp the other 300 days a year, you know? Feels like it's not as popular as it used to be. Well, we got drones. Feels actually. like it's, it's not much as easier. As, right. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am curious though. Like, there's got, somebody's got to know the answer to that question. And I actually have a question to for you, Adam Luckett. Um, but before I ask it, I got to tell our friends at home about it. our friends at my bookie, mybookie.ag. It is the place to place wagers this fall. And you know, we kind of opened joking about the presidential debates you can bet on props watching that garbage i mean basically anything you want you can bet on with my bookie and right now there's something for every night of the week you've got playoff baseball all day long you got the nba finals coming up and then you've got pro and nf or pro and college football thursday friday saturday sunday monday it is the best time to get in on the action and you should do it now by going to my bookie right now they've got a 100K Super Contest for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You would be crazy 
not to invest in your sports knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment. You can sign up at my bookie. Just use the promo code personnel. That's right. P-E-R-S-O-N-N-E-L to claim your 100% deposit match all the way up to a thousand bucks. Up to a thousand bucks, you can put in a grand and get two grand to bet. That's crazy. Even if it's just a hundred dollars, that's 200 to play with. It's a great way to jumpstart your bankroll. Do it with my bookie. Use the promo code personnel to get on in on the action as the sports season goes absolutely crazy this fall. Uh, lucky, my question for you it isn't how much money did you win um, betting this weekend, it is actually. What do you like most from this game? Like when you're kind of looking big picture of the season, what do you think is the most optimistic thing you can take away from Kentucky's loss at Auburn? Just that they went toe to toe with them. Like that play, that game was a couple of plays going UK's way um, from them picking up like this monster row win and this narrative is a lot different. That to me was the thing that they that they they play with them. They just need it. You know, now they didn't need to keep getting better throughout the season, but they're on, I think they're on that level and they passed the eye test, I think, to me. Did you have any long term worries for the season coming from this game? Defensively, I think they're going to be solid all year. My worry on defense is where does the playmaking come from? Coming into the year, I thought Chris Oates was kind of a guy that was set to potentially maybe develop into kind of like an All-American type player. Yeah, yeah. When I look at the defense now, it's where does it come from? The lack of pass rush worried me in that game. Now, it was different because of Auburn, but there was times where they should have gotten more pressures than they did. Boogie Watson, where was, like, where was he? A lot of the game. That was worrisome. I'm I'm hopeful Josh Pascal can be that guy, but I'm I'm with you on the offensive side of the ball, where like there's a lot of good guys, but there's no Seth Williams out there, you know. So like it, it's it's you you have a lot of really good cooks in the kitchen, but you need somebody to be elite. Well, you, you have to be, be a great situational football. Like when you're like this, and you're um, when you're like this, and you're like this, you know. You're going to have to be like this efficient approach, stay ahead of the chains, um, a, a committee by approach. Everybody, you know, chips in. When you do that, you don't have like, you know, that big time chunk playmaking. Situationally, you have to be good. I think you saw us third down most of the day. They were. But you look at the red zone, like you can't, you can't have that. You got to be able to finish it. And I think a lot of it is coaches that finding like what the strengths of the club is and what, what exactly to do. I think they'll be fine, but they got to get back to their bread and butter, which is um, running the rock and getting that getting that going. And I think that'll set up everything else and make it a lot easier for everybody involved. Yeah, and Stoops had a quote about, like, we've got to be critical early on. And I think for some players, that's a big, like, piss or get off the pot kind of deal. And because if not, these freshmen need to be playing. Like, Michael Drennan – I don't know if yeah. – like, like the, the hard part about all of this, too, is it's like I don't know how much Drennan's practiced or not. Like, hell, for all I know, he, he's only got in two weeks of practice because of COVID and contact tracing and God knows what. So it makes it difficult. 
Uh, we saw Isaiah Cummings get on the depth chart this week, but right now, like I, I don't see like like Isaiah Epson, Cleveland Thomas. Those are guys who have been around for a while, and they're just you know you're not doing it. Like if if you, you either do it now or you're you're done. Like that's just the nature of the game. Like you got to move on eventually. Yeah, exactly. So like you don't have any time. You don't have an Eastern Michigan or a Toledo to break him in. This is the probably the best chance you're going to get at it against Ole Miss. Um, where, you know, it, even if you play well, you're going to get a lot of possessions against that team. So throw throw them into the fire. I mean, you know, they're you're going to find out soon if they can play or not. And Demarcus Harris, he's a guy who like, hey, he like you're going to have to live with some mistakes with some of these guys. Like you just are. And I think that's why I was fighting with a lot of folks is like, yeah, no crap. We can't have our quarterback committing really dumb turnovers, but like there's going to be times where you're just going to have to live with some mistakes with some of these guys. Hopefully Terry, if anybody else can, can fix them, it's the senior, but first game in a year, I expected some rust from him. I expected some, a boneheaded play from boss man fat. Those are guys who haven't played football in a long time. Um, and, and for the freshmen, they haven't played SEC football before, so this is a big – this Ole Miss game, look it for me, it's a big, like, all right, you got another week you can make mistakes, um, but you've got to be making those mistakes at, like, a 1,000 miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you can probably make, still make up for them if you do everything else the right way. After this, there, there's not a whole lot of room for error. Yeah, I mean the receiver position. It's just been, it's just been kind of this just black eye for the program, and not not in that, like a bad way, but just on on the field results. It's just they haven't had a draft pick. They recruiting wise, they've struggled here until recently. It's just been a position they you know at other positions they've been able to develop like get a low three star and make them a potential draft pick. You look at Luke Fortner on the offensive line. Josh Allen, obviously, everybody knows. Um, even look at, you know, on defense back, like a guy like Cedric Dort, who they've turned into a pretty good player. Where on uh, the receiver position, they just have, they just struggle to develop this position for whatever reason. There's and, been more coaches coach that position since yeah. they got here. And then know, that, like, that on top of everything. Four. They've had four in eight years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Josh Ali's had – He's had three position coaches. Yeah, Lamar Thomas, Michael Smith, and now uh, Bo Knight. Right. So it's just, it's just been, it's just been a big pain in the rear end for this program. It's figuring out that receiver's position, and so like I look at the roster and it's like I don't I hate to be like recruiting guy, but like they just haven't recruited it that well. So like the expectation for it, it should be lower than the other positions in my opinion, just because of what they have. And so you look at like maybe trying to get some of those younger guys in there. I think you're right on that. You know, these older guys are going to get the first crack, but if you don't produce, I think a lot of them are going to have short leashes. But which gets me to the next point, like Keaton Upshaw, I think we've seen what he can do a little bit. I think he's just got to be more fa- a bigger factor in the game plan, especially in the passing offense. But we'll see how that, how that goes on. But when you look at the offense, I think like – I think 23 to 27 is probably the sweet spot when you look at pass attempts. That's where you kind of want to live. Yeah. Getting to the 30s, I think you're in trouble. Well, and I, I can see scenarios where you're at 30. Um, 
you know. Yeah, I mean, like, they ran almost 80 plays against Auburn, so obviously it's going to be a little higher. But, yeah, I mean, you want, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to be, at, I think, between 50 and 50. In a perfect world, you would run 70 to 75 plays. You would be right at 50 rush attempts and then in between 20 and 25 pass attempts. I think for Kentucky, that's where they want to be. Well, and at, excuse me. Uh, I think some of it for Eddie too is he's probably willing to call a few more pass plays. He's like, well, Terry can always tuck and run those as well. <laughs> and and on some of them, he did yeah. well. Like there was one that he uh, went up and got after it. I will say he did one thing that like I've never seen any person do in a football field, and that's throw away two point conversion. I. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, yeah. dude, oh, wait, what are you there doing? Is, like that's some there is some things with like that's what I was talking about, Terry. I think overall he played well, but there there's just some moments, dude. Like like that's now three plays if you can't the turnovers. Like those are you just cannot make those plays, man. Like mm-hmm. you, you got to find some. I think a lot of that though was he was trigger shy on that two point conversion. The running back was open and he didn't pull the yeah. trigger. Yeah. And I think it was because the interception. He probably was getting a little had some happy feet or what whatnot. <laughs> I love the term happy feet just because it reminds me of like, that's also a movie about penguins, like an anime movie about penguins. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at- I think he'll, I think he'll get better, but you know, I think again, it gets back. I think they put him in some unfair situations in that game. Not, not personal opinion. It's a hell of a way to get, to, to get back in the groove. Like just go to the number eight team in the country. Go to the team that, you know, Kevin Steele has produced three top 10 defenses in a row. And, it, and then they passed the look test on Saturday. I mean, we'll find out more about them this week, but it looks like they're going to be another pretty good defense. That's what Auburn does. Uh, Arm, no, I couldn't think of anything good. I was going to do the uh, football and crab legs because that's what Maryland does. Yeah. To that, this week's the real test, though, because Ole Miss is not good on defense. All right. We know that. So let's, let's see what they do against a defense that's not good. Now, have you have you watched the Ole Miss Florida game? Because I, obviously it was happening at the same time as the Kentucky game. And yeah, I did. I watched the uh, abbreviated game on YouTube while I watched some parts of the extended game. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've taken it in. Ole Miss Florida. The, my biggest takeaway from that game is Kyle Pitts, dude. That guy, holy crap! He's, he's gonna just he's gonna eat against Kentucky. Like that dude is. He he's he's like a oh man we're we're gonna be talking about him for a while on Sundays. Yeah, I mean we're gonna be drafting him in our fantasy draft next year. <laughs> he's a stud, man. He's really yeah. good. Um, but Elijah Moore, the the infamous dog pisser. Can we can we yeah we can say the infamous the dog pee heard around the world. Two hundred twenty seven yards, like <laughs> on only ten catches. It's twenty. That's about twenty five yards a catch. Like it. I'm not good at math. But right around 22 yards of cash. So, not too shabby, Mr. Moore. He had two on back-to-back possessions, the yarders. So, have over half his yards um, came in on those two catches. But uh, when I watched that Ole Miss game, over 40% of their offense came in what would be considered garbage time. Really? What that means is Florida had a 17-point lead halfway through the third quarter, and Ole Miss got 40% of their offense after that so it was a lot of let's just chuck it man going on there for their offense and so Matt Corral has a big arm obviously Lane is you know he can really draw it up there's going to be he's going to have his moments on Saturday in the game where he kind of makes Kentucky look silly but I think Kentucky's defense where Grant there were some third and Grantham moments in that game 
Florida plays a lot more pressure. You know, they're going to press Mania. Well, third and Grantham. And like we saw with LSU, they're going to press Mania, where Kentucky's not going to do that. They're going to sit back there in quarters. They're going to sit back there in their three deep, and they're going to make Ole Miss dink and dunk it down the field. And I think that's the key to this game. Because you look at Ole Miss, they had some red zone issues too. And Kentucky and Ole Miss combined last week um, got five scores on 11 red zone trips. So red zone is going to be a big focus, I think, for this weekend. And I think for Kentucky, it's all about, you know, big play defense versus home run offense. Who wins that battle? I think Kentucky should have the edge because they're going to set the tone like this is what you're going to do. They're not going to get in, I don't think, situations where Ole Miss is going to be able to take those shot plays, mainly due to I think Kentucky's going to be able to stop the run with their front, which is something that they did last week that we really didn't talk about, but I thought the run defense it was, really was good. pretty strong. Yeah. And if that's what they're getting, they're going to be really good on defense, I think. And so if you get that this week, because it's really Jerry and Ely, who's a five-star sophomore, who's who's more of just this home run back. Like, he's not going to pound away at you, but, I mean, he is a good back, but he's not a guy that's going to run for 25 times. So I think, you know, you stop him, don't let him get the big run. Don't let us see like a Rakeem Boyd 75-yarder like we saw first possession against Arkansas last year. I think do that, and I think their defense is going to be in pretty good shape because then Ole Miss is going to have to go on 12, 13 play drives. And I think if you get um, some pressure on Corral, I think he'll make mistakes and he'll get greedy, and that's where your turnovers are going to come from. Can we can we talk about Matt Corral for a second, Adam Luckett? Mm-hmm. What the hell has he got going on with his hair? Him and Spencer Rattler both, man. I mean, like, is Matt Corral just like the opposite of the John Rice Pumley? Is he just like, uh, are they like the, you got the devil and the angel on one shoulder? Are they that's just that, the antithesis of that's one an odd look at Ole Miss, man. <laughs> it really is. It's a weird <laughs> ass look. That is, that is such a square peg in a round hole. I, I, I don't you know, get it. You know, Marshall Henderson's down there now. As a grad assistant on their basketball team, maybe that's his influence. That's something I could have seen him him rocking. <laughs> Did so I know they put in Plumley a little bit, but was it all just Lane trying to mess with Florida? Yeah, I wasn't really not special. I think they'll have a package for him. I would be surprised if he gets in. But this is but, it's, I, I, I'm guessing it's all just like you know it's like running the fake pun in week two in the NFL just to like make everybody have to prepare, spend some time preparing for it. Here's the thing with Lane's offense. When he went to Florida Atlantic, he hired Kendall Bryles, essentially because he liked, he wanted to learn a lot about that offense. And so two guys on his staff right now, his offensive coordinator is Jeff Levy, who is um, Art Bryles' son-in-law. And then his offensive line coach is like this long-term Art Bryles assistant too. So, so it's really – Nepotism. <laughs> it's really – yeah. It's really the Baylor offense in a lot of ways. He does some different stuff, but – a lot of it is, you know, they're going to take – if they get a numbers advantage, they're just throwing it deep. And they're going to take their shots, and they're going to spread you out and to try to create lanes in the run game. So, really, they try to count numbers. For, so, for Kentucky, it's all going to be about – this week, we're going to have to play sub package. Last week, they played very little sub package because Auburn lived in 11 personnel, and they just don't throw the tight end. So, Kentucky's like, if you're not going to throw the tight end, we're just going to keep our base out here. Whereas this week, you know, we're going to have to see a nickel. Um, yeah. we're going to have to see Kentucky in some dime. So seeing how they do that, like we heard about Vito Tisdale, I guess he was in COVID protocol. I don't think he made the trip, 
see if he can go this week because he figures yeah. to be a guy that would play. Well, and we didn't have our usual like Big J journalists down there, like counting people on the sidelines and numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like Bryce Oliver was there, but he wasn't playing, and I don't mm-hmm. think we we just heard that he's day to day. So yeah. we're didn't see Jerry Casey, and then I went back and watched the tape, and I, you see him. He was on the sideline. I saw him once, but he didn't play either. Yeah, Deer Jackson played, and like before any of the other guys did. So and Eccles played nickel most of the game. They hmm. just let him inside. I, I want to go back to something you said, though, mentioning all of the browsers. Is, to be an offensive guru, do you have to come from one of, like, the five families? Is it like an Italian mob kind of thing? Because yeah. if you think about it, I mean – The Ere Nostra. I mean <laughs> – But, like, the Ere – the, the, all of the Petrinos, like that was the big thing at L. He hired all of his kids. But kind of from Petrino, I mean, look at my family. Jeff Brom's up at Purdue, and uh, Greg's on the sideline doing stuff. Brian's his offensive coordinator, passing coordinator, whatever you want to call it. Uh, all the browses. Wow. Um, I know Stoops. Stoops is are the rare defensive uh, kind of nepotism side of things, but I'm I'm trying to think of some other. What are some of the other big families in college football that are just Pelini, Pelini? Yeah, they're okay. So basically, you just have to come from Youngstown to be a defense But Kiffin, Kiffin, I mean, his dad uh, was big time. Uh, USC, yeah. is that right? And Youngstown's got one itself, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa too. Did you uh Eddie Grant's comments today come off to you as uh like he didn't have a that greater relationship with Kiffin? Obviously he worked with him at Tennessee just for one year in 09. And that was right after the Tuberville staff got fired at Auburn, so he was looking for his job. Uh I didn't get that vibe as much as I got that like Grant was like okay. It was more of like it was a huge deal for me to put on my big boy pants and like not just be with my guy Tommy T. Um, that, that's kind of more of the vibe that I got from what okay. he was trying to say, okay. and it happened so quickly that I don't know if like I mean you, if you're at a place for one year like I mean that's you know uh, so well then he jets I mean it was talk about a big transition you know Graham was at Auburn for ten years. Staff gets fired. He has to go find a job. He goes somewhere, and then, boom, he's out of there again in, you know, 10 months. Right, right. But it is kind of wild, though, that, like, my Eddie Green's bio page to see when he was at certain schools where for writing all these stories. Back-to-back weeks, we got Eddie Green connections. And I was writing the story today that's going to be up on the site this week. I I went back and looked at that game against Kiffin from 09. I mean – yeah, that's an all. That's an all. That what if game for me. I mean, Mitch Barnhart, like that's when you pull a coach and waiting tag, dude. Like you don't give the ball to Randall Cobb when he gets you to the ten yard line. Like I just look at. I know that like for me, the most frustrating game I've ever been to, most frustrated I've ever been was the Tennessee game at 07, which Corey Price, who does stats for UK. Mm-hmm. He had this stat. It's hilarious stat. It, I mean, like, it was the first – so this Auburn game was the first time since that 07 game that Kentucky had 
more yards, rushing yards. I mean, like basically third down consider uh, time of possession. It was like eight different statistical categories where Kentucky was better and still lost, <laughs> which is just in a traditional box score. Yeah, it was a hilarious, a very hilarious stat. Um, that's my number one. This is probably around four or five though that two thousand nine game because like. It was there for the taking, and it was against Wayne Kiffin. And no. like you, you've talked about before, you're going to the Outback Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, because then you have that season. You would have had wins at Auburn, wins at Georgia, went over Louisville, and a home win over Tennessee. I mean, oh, it would have been a God. great year. And then I, I, I make the argument that I think that could have maybe been even an energizer to get Brooks maybe make one more year at it. Mm-hmm. And then I think that 2010 team, if he was coaching it, I think they had a real shot at an SEC East title that year. Because you remember, uh, five and three South Carolina team won the East. <sighs> it's just so... I think that's that game is what I think that's one of the bigger what ifs in recent Texas football history. It was against a they win Kiffin, that, I think. I mean, that mm-hmm. Tennessee team sucked too. Like they weren't good. They ran it 40 times with Hardesty or something. Like Ontario Hardesty, yeah. Jesus. Jonathan Christ. Crompton quarterback he threw a pick six on his first possession it was like his third throw mm-hmm. of the game second throw of the game yeah they were not good yeah. Tucky should have won Tucky's defense was good they Tucky had a fun defense they had Corey Peters Ricky Lumpkin Trevard Lindley Danny Trevathan Winston Guy like they had seven NFL players Michael <laughs> Johnson yeah Sam, like, Sam Maxwell was like an all SEC linebacker that year too they had a fun defense Chandler Burden uh two I mean yeah gosh that just you know what? Screw Lane Kiffin. We're gonna kick his ass on Saturday. How about it? Like it? Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I gotta, like this spot a lot for Kentucky. I think it's a good matchup. Really? Yeah. Like you, you feel yeah. like a lot of touchdowns scored, or just like Kentucky's gonna play keep away for a lot of the game and just run it down their throats. Uh, more the latter, but I think Kentucky's gonna have a good amount of offensive success. I wish I could. Ha- I wish I had more like data and more what I could see from Ole Miss, but. Everything points to them being probably the worst defense in the SEC this year when I look at them. You look at – just recruiting, Nick. Like, they have six low three-stars, former recruits that are starting. They're all on defense. Mm-hmm. So, we just look at the talent distribution on this team. The talent really is in the skill position on offense. It's Matt Corral, Jerry Ann Ely, um, uh, P in the end zone, Elijah Moore, and then a couple other guys. But then you look at defense. I just think they have they're at depth of talent. They just don't have that much talent there right now. I think they got a couple players that I think could be pretty good. You know who brought but Kentucky in Kentucky should bully them. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you off. You know who recruited their highest ranked player on defense? John Summerall. Yeah, Lakia Henry. I guess that's Lakia. Lakia yeah. He's Henry. one of their better players, Lakia Henry at linebacker. Him and uh their other linebacker, um, pretty good. And then I like their safety. Jalen Jones, I think, is his name. Mm-hmm. But Kentucky should, I think, have their way. And then Kiffin in his press conference was even kind of like, you know, can you take anything good away from the defense? He's like, no. <laughs> Pretty much saying they stink, you know, kind of thing. So part of they the game of 51 points. Yeah. Like, yeah. If Florida's good, but that, I mean, like, that's a hey, little much. Man. They had the pick six whenever Dan Mullen decided to put in Emory Jones. It's just like, dude. Yeah, what are you doing? I, mean, I mean, they did the whatever they wanted. They did the whatever they wanted. So, um, I like this matchup for Kentucky. And defensively, like I said, I think Kentucky's going to sit back and do what they do, not give up the big play, should be able to stop the run well enough with their front. And then they, then I think it's going to lead to some aggressive decisions from Matt Corral, and then that, that's where I think some turnovers should come into play. 
All right, look at um, set the over under line for the Egg Bowl right now. What's the total? Sixty five. Because oh. people we're over, we're overreacting no, to, to uh, it, Mississippi nope, State's offense. Nope, nope, you can't overreact. Okay. In tough you, you write it down. <laughs> um, you write it down. Ninety eight points is what is what we're going to see. In <laughs> but but. Uh, I do think a lot of the overreaction with Mississippi State, like I don't – if you want to get on a Bo Pelini, stop playing man defense rant. No one's ever going to play them like that the rest of the year. <laughs> They're not. But Ole Miss like, defense is going to stink. The, that was an all-time meathead moment by Bo Pelini. That should go down in the Hall of Fame. That's like this guy, he's 50-something years old. He, haven't been a, he hasn't been in major college football in a couple of years. He hasn't been a coordinator in like a decade. He's coming back. He's running a – Straight up old school four three, who pretty much everybody has been like, all right, that's kind of done. You need to be, you know, you need to be pretty much in your nickel or kind of three to four down front multiple. Well, he's Especially old school four three. State. Like you're not playing he's playing anymore. bump and run coverage. He's playing bump and run coverage, and he his ass just got torched. Oh man! And then then Orgeron comes out Monday and says, you know, you know, Pelini was first one to me. He said I, it was my fault. I should have been better. I said, you think? <laughs> Like, Mississippi State, like, Leach's po- most popular concept is spread it out five wide or four wide. Two guys, two or three guys run, you know, just streaks down the field. And then, and then drag, two other guys drag, drag yeah. the – it's called a mesh. Yeah. And where they, they rub. It's a rub route, so you can get picked off if you're in man. <laughs> they just they kept probably got it. 200 yards on that play. There was a pro football focus article that just – it was just a like one gif after another of just like guys running free down the middle of the field on five-yard passes. <laughs> like just and then, and then Callen Hill like faking like he's going to block and just leaking out just little dumps. Like they scored a 75-yard touchdown off that. I mean, it was remarkable but, going back and watching that game. It was remarkable. that, that That's what LSU ran out there But scheme-wise. Like Mississippi State is going to put up points this year, just because it's going to take people to figure out. Even though the egg bowls yeah. at the end of the year, they, they are going to score a lot of points in that game, and it's going it to be is. man. It is They're going to break be, every passing record in this conference. It is going to be the wonkiest egg bowls to ever egg bowl, man. Like, yeah, it's going um, to be awesome. Do we still get it Thanksgiving weekend, or did it get? Yeah, but it's on Saturday. It's not Thanksgiving night as of right now. Damn it! We need no. We got to change that. We got in. I, now that I'm thinking about it, we basically got all of our Thursday nights taken away, right? Because of COVID, like they've, they, I think they've kind of taken that away from us, for the most part. Yeah, <sighs> I need my eggs on Thanksgiving. Like, there's nothing quite like a dessert of scrambled up egg bowl. Uh, like, it, I, we we got to get out of here, but I do want to ask you, uh, how much is Trinity going to kick your alma mater's ass this weekend? That's uh, probably not going to be my man. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not gonna be pretty. Uh, I just wanted to get a shout in. Um, we're at KSR's game of the week, actually. Two UK recruits, Cade Velcamp and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bowling Green, uh, Jordan Dingle. That should be a good game. Uh, there, yeah. There's there's some alright games out there in the state. What, what on the college football slate is? I'm I'm trying to. I don't. I actually haven't really looked at the board that thoroughly because like I'm still. I love the board this week. Oh. We still mm-hmm. we still fade Syracuse even though they've covered back to back weeks. No, I get off in a couple of weeks. Assess my strategy there. But um, I like Neil Brown at home, home underdog this week, hosting Baylor. Ooh. Yeah, I've Baylor. got a little trend for you, Nick. 
has Baylor played? Go ahead. Has Baylor played? Yeah, they played. They played Kansas last week, and they only put up like four yards per play or something. They weren't that great. Gotcha. Um, so that's one. I think could be a little ugly, but I like getting the home dog there. Navy at Air Force. You got the commander. One part of the commander in chief. Navy is a six and a half point favorite on the road. That seems like way too much. And one thing I don't usually do on bets is double dip, play the spread Ooh, and, and then the total. It. Yeah. I'm thinking about double dipping here. Take, take Air Force at home, plus six and a half, and then the under 48. Option teams, clock's going to run fast. Air Force's first game. I, I don't know. I just like, I'm thinking about a double, some double dip action there. Man, shout out to Cincinnati then, for covering that that fourteen points. I mean, I guess it was a push. Yeah. Depends uh, where you got it because it went from 13, 13 and a half, 14. I think it ended up at thirteen and a half. So that Vegas was right on it. Yeah, I'm, it, the 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 under though was definitely the play there because I think it was at yeah. like forty four or something. It's like so they're going to win two touchdowns. Twenty four ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I have a, I have another stat for you, Trent. Okay. Boston College in their last 28 ACC games, they are 19-5 and 4 against the spread. Really? They host North Carolina on Saturday, 3:30 ABC. They're getting 13 points right now. I like the Eagles. I've seen them at 14. North Carolina too. hasn't Yeah, if you can get it at 14 line in, I like the spot. North Carolina hadn't played in a little bit. BC's got two games in their belt on back-to-back weeks. They almost blew it to Texas State, but I think they were probably that's obviously was a look ahead spot for them. I, I think, I think it's a good spot for my guy Jeff Halfley. and uh, Jerkovich. You're a jerk, mm-hmm. jerk, jerk, man. Going to be hilarious if Tennessee can cover eleven and a half in Missouri. Or no, it's at home, but that's still a big number. Uh, South Carolina, yeah. that was hilarious. Oh man, Will Must, you, you just beautiful soul to you. I, you know what? I kind of wanted him to not yeah. like. I like having him around. I, I just, I just love hating Will Muschamp. He's, he's really fun. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's gonna be able to hang around for much longer. My cousin texted me on. on he texted me on Saturday. He goes, Adam, I love Muschamp. He's an idiot. But I love, <laughs> I love, I love SLB. <laughs> Saying I do too. I hope he never leaves. Oh, man, good coach for life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh man, oh, I'm starting to get a little bit loopy. I don't know about you, like it, but um, it's getting it's getting a little past my bedtime. The card is deep though this week. There are some lot of good plays on it. This would be the week to go up to Indiana, make a few wagers. Mm. <laughs> hey Kentucky, get your stuff together. All right, let's start making keeping that money. And in. I think that Kentucky line is good. I thought that was going to open a little smaller. That it opened up at six and a half tells me that uh. The line makes that Kentucky's pretty good. The line, yeah. I think, says Kentucky's going to cover, but we'll see. Hey, I'm I'm all here for the covering cats. Get us back on the win track for those who are going to the game at Kroger Field. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Uh, yeah, obey the protocol so we can keep everybody nice and safe there. Luckett's actually going to be there. Um, messed up. Won't be tailgating yep. in the usual spot because uh, there's there's tailgating not a thing this year. Um, but he's going to be repping KSR. Him and Jack Pugham will be there for us. Should be a great time, Adam Luckett. I hope you you thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I'm going to be resting on my laurels. 
Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible, man. I made the baby cry so much during the game last <laughs> week. It was, especially when the review went off. Like, I, I can't even remember the last time I threw a hat like that. But I launched my run the damn ball hat, like, into the other room. It was... You needed a night. You need a night kick off so you can just get to bed and then go. What time does it go to bed? Six thirty-seven. We actually keep him up to like eight thirty. Eight thirty. Yeah, so he'll kind of sleep, you know, a little bit longer. Um, yeah, it's very smart. You get a night kick against the pirate, but uh, I think I'm going to be at that game. So it's a, it's an exciting time. Football is off and rolling. Real football, not none of this ACC bullcrap. The big boys are here. They ripped our hearts out a little bit in week one, but week two, the Cats are bouncing back against Ole Miss at Kroger Field. Kickoff set for 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. Until then, go Cats, go Kroger. <laughs>